You're listening to That's the Industry Podcast, episode number 48. Today, we are talking to a veteran on-air radio personality about being on the radio during a pandemic. We're also going to talk about how she grew her TikTok following to more than 100,000 followers. Here we go. You're listening to That's the Industry with Thomas Jordan. That's the Industry with Thomas Jordan. The podcast that takes you inside all the aspects of the entertainment industry. Directly from the people who are making it happen. And now, your host, Thomas Jordan. What's going on, everyone? Thomas Jordan here for another episode. Today, we are joined by an on-air radio personality with more than 10 years of experience, and she is a TikTok sensation with over 100,000 followers on TikTok. Mason Mousset, how's it going? Yes, sir. It's going. How are you? Uh, Doing well, doing well. We've got matching weather here on the Pacific Northwest and on the East Coast. It rains all the time. Hey, it's sunny here. It's quite lovely. Oh, I haven't been outside, but it's looking nice. I did some time in uh, Oregon and it rained quite a bit. So I'm not surprised <laughs> at all. Um, but we're just going to jump right into it. But how did how did you get started in the industry? Um. All right. You want to hear the long story Let, or the <laughs> condensed version? Let's, let's go with the long one. As many details okay. as humanly possible. <laughs> okay. So um, I am a Navy brat. My dad was uh, a nuclear submarine captain. And so we were stationed in Hawaii. And my next door neighbor at the time was um, a news anchor. She was on the nightly news. And so for as long as I can remember, that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be on the nightly news. And so when I ended up going to college, I went to Washington State University to the Edward R. Murrow School of Communication. I marched in there and I was all set and every blonde girl wanted to be a news anchor. And I was like, "Mm, I'm not going to do this anymore. So I switched to advertising and actually really enjoyed it. But my senior year, I was cleaning my room at the sorority and I had the local radio station on and their intern hadn't shown up. So I called in and I said, I'll be your intern. And they asked me one inappropriate question. They said, do you have big boobs? And I was like, I do. And so I got hired to be their intern from that and worked um, that summer. And then I graduated and got a real job, so to speak. And uh, I hated it. Absolutely hated it. I worked at a radio rep firm. So we basically worked as a middleman between ad agencies and radio stations across the country. But there was only like three of us in the office and they were always gone. It was usually just me. And I need some human contact. And uh, the guy who ended up training me um, and was leaving was going to work at um, Intercom here in Seattle to do voiceover work. And so he helped me put together an air check which is essentially an audio resume. And I sent that off to three local stations. And one of them was a brand new station at the time. I heard back from them fairly quickly. He had me come in to see what I sounded like because I hadn't um, been on the air since I'd been an intern in college, so many years. He wanted to see what I sounded like. And then um, he hired me to do weekends And I was still doing my other job at the time, and I was doing wedding planning, so I was definitely stretched to the limit. And I was actually probably about to quit. I just – I couldn't do all three things anymore. And they ended up firing the morning show that we currently had, moved the afternoon girl up to mornings, and then they moved me up to afternoons. So I really lucked out. I did um, afternoons and was at the same station for 13 years. Oh, wow. So you stayed one place. Yeah. You didn't, because what I think what a lot of people don't realize is whether you're in TV or uh, radio, you have like, it's almost like they tell you up front, like, yeah, you're going to have to move around a little bit. I I ended mm-hmm. up, you know, covering, you know, stuff in or news and weather in Colorado, Oregon, Michigan, a little mm-hmm. bit of Vegas, and then LA. So I hopped around. Yeah. So at least you got to stay still for half a second. And I'm yeah. guessing at most people. Uh, end up, you know, you're in Pascaloosa or Pascagoula, Mississippi, yep. you know, doing overnights and then you work your way up to bigger markets. So I lucked out big time. Um, but there were some drawbacks to that too. I think when you move around a lot, you get to make a lot more connections. And so um, I was let go from my job on May 1st due to COVID. And, you know, I don't know a lot of people in the business unfortunately. So that's been kind of a a disadvantage that I've been 
realizing. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because even though I, I did my fair share of hopping around, my news or my boss when I was in LA did a little stick because I was in Grand Junction, Colorado, which was like population mm-hmm. nothing. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, yeah, she, I guess, had known somebody who knew somebody and did a little stint there too back in the day. So we had that connection. She's like, Oh my God, I can't believe I saw Grand Junction on your resume and just, you know, got all excited. But yeah, no, I I guess I forget about that sometimes too. It's interesting you say that because on the one hand, I'm sitting there thinking like, man, it would have been great to not have to move every single year for 10 years uh, and just go back. In the big scheme of things, I think I was lucky and I would rather have that than moving around. But you know, it wasn't perfect situation, yeah. but it, it was pretty close to perfect. Yeah. And it sounds like that station was a little bit more appropriate with you uh, than that first uh, internship, I'm guessing. <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, the other one was in Pullman, Washington. So we're talking, you know, it was it was a step above the college radio station. So when that when they asked you that, what kind of went through your head? Was it like a state of shock or like, uh, I mean, it wasn't an interview. It was on air. I mean, so they were doing it to be funny. And, you know, it wasn't like the HR department had me in, in the back office. I'm like, all right, well, we're going to measure your boobs now. Yeah. It wasn't like that. And it also happened, you know, many, many years ago when that kind of thing, you could get away with it. Yeah, I was going to say nowadays that wouldn't fly anywhere. Probably not. No, Probably not. definitely not. No. Uh, and when you were on TV, what didn't you like about the TV side of things? Like, because you said you wanted to be an anchor. Yeah, I I mean, it was just I never went through that program. So it just there was so much competition at the time. And I think I had was a lot more nervous back in the day and didn't have as much confidence in my abilities back then. So yeah, I was just like, oh, this is, oh, I'm not going to stand out. I'm just, I didn't even try. I don't think really. I just automatically changed. It's interesting because I've noticed between TV and radio, especially on the news side, like it's more stuffy and Mm -hmm. you've definitely, I've seen a lot of your work, especially on TikTok (laughs) and your personality just shines so bright. So like, I don't know. My facial expression gives me away. So I don't even know sometimes if I could be, you know, a news anchor or do anything that doesn't utilize my personality. And that's essentially why I love radio so much. Like I am, I was paid to be a smart ass. Mm-hmm. So you can't go wrong there. No. And that, and I mean, even with COVID, I mean, I think it's, you know, how are you dealing with that right now? Um, you know, it's been tough and losing my job in May, um, even though I knew that day was always come because I did top 40 and eventually you're going to age out. And I think my time was coming to an end there. Um, even without COVID, I probably had maybe, I don't know, five years left in me to still sound cool for the kids. Um, but I, I don't have a new job yet, but I've had so many opportunities and, um, things come up that I'm not just hopeful. I'm, I'm certain that I'm going to find something amazing and it might not happen on the time frame in which I would like it to, which is a little stressful because unemployment is uh, screwing me over. But doing TikTok, um, I actually, when everyone at work was like, oh, you should do TikTok. And I was like, I'm not doing TikTok. I'm not doing dances. I'm too old. And so when I got laid off and COVID hit and I had a lot more free time on my hands, I just started using it to tell stories like I would on air or on a podcast or to my friends. And it just started growing. And the opportunities that I've gotten from that, I think of honestly, you know, besides just opening doors for voiceover work and endorsements, it's been something that's a selling point for potential employers. Like, oh, you have 130,000 followers in just six months? Like, okay. Because that's what they're looking for you to do on air, to build an audience and create more revenue for them, obviously. Yeah. And when you're, what is your, I know you've been in the business for a while now. So what would your ideal gig be? Like, what would your dream job still be right now? Um, I'd like to do mornings. Um, Afternoons was, um, you know, the big day parts in radio are mornings and then afternoons. So any drive time. But when I did afternoons, Uh, We were a music-intensive station, so I did a lot of talking in and out of songs. So at the most, I, you know, was talking 20 seconds at a time, four times an hour, which is not a lot. And I think one of my my 
better skills is banter and going back and forth. And so number one would be that, um, to do a morning show and to be able to bounce off of somebody um, and to not be in a room by myself would be awesome. <laughs> I mean, it would get lonely, you know. I, I lived alone and I worked alone essentially. And if I didn't make time to go be social, it could get real – Ooh, I have, you know, it could add up to about an hour's worth of conversations in a week, you know, from talking to my coworkers because I'm in a, I was in a room by myself. So it would be nice to do mornings and I'd like to do country music, um, you know, because number one, I love it. And number two, you, you age out of top 40 and country is something that you can grow with. And I think there's a little bit more stability there. It's interesting that you say you age out because I think you have a great voice. Uh, I and I mean, I guess I'm not I, I'm not a radio expert, but I think you could keep going. But country is no, had time for sure. But like, do you want to listen to a 50 year old woman talk about Justin Bieber? <sighs> no, you know, you're <laughs> as much as you try to stay, you know, you know, with the times, you're just not going to connect with the audience in the same way. And I, I get that. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. Well, Nashville's not too far from you. Um, what, I mean, what's the job hunt been like? Are there like, are there the opportunities are there and then stations just are waiting for COVID to settle down? Cause I see on the, even on the TV side, I see that they're hiring, but then it's like they post it, but then they're not actually hiring. I don't know if you're running into that right. as well. I mean, that was definitely a problem that I figured out initially because I started looking for Amazon jobs initially and I was applying, um, you know, left and right to things and I wasn't even getting interviews. So radio is a tough business no matter what because there's only X amount of jobs. And then you add COVID into the mix and that makes it that much harder. And um, the company that I worked for Hubbard Radio um, was a really great company, to be honest. You know, they were big enough, but not too big to get really looped into a lot of the corporate stuff. Um, but live and local was very important to them. And, you know, people have been saying radio is a dying format for forever. And it's definitely not the way it was. I don't think it's ever going to go away because it's free and, you know, people aren't paying for it. And you still you know, as much as you listen to Spotify or um, anything else, you know, people still do tune into the radio every once in a while. And um, so it's just a matter of, yeah, it's been a waiting game to some, some extent. I've um, been going through a process. I've had about five interviews with one company, um, still going through it. So I'm hoping that, um, you know, happens for me. Yeah, we're down. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely. Yeah, no, I bet. Cause yeah, it's just, it is a weird industry. It's just, and we will definitely keep our uh, fingers crossed for you. Cause I, Thank yeah. yeah, cause I, we talked about it a little bit. So, um, yeah, I I'm super stoked for you, but as far as like almost even, but well, before we get into TikTok, how long did it take you to really, uh, find your voice as a radio personality? You know, honestly, probably not that long. Um, you know, if I listened to some like my very first air check from college and it's not that bad. A lot of times people's is it's pretty horrendous. Granted, I've grown exponentially since then, but it wasn't that bad. And I think that comes down to the fact that I've just always been an imitator and I would also an only child, so I had to entertain myself a lot growing up. Um, so I, as a kid, would pretend, you know, in college too, all the girls, we would do prank phone calls and I would be like, hey, we're calling from Hot 104. If you can get to the pizza, I would do that kind of stuff all the time. So I knew kind of the tones um, of what you need to sound like, you know, ending sentences at a, a, you know, your inflection and all that. I kind of had a, a grasp on that to begin with. And, you know, I'm oozing personality, so I can't really hide that. So putting the two together was, was fairly simple. Isn't that a pet peeve of yours though? Would people's influx of their voice is a little wishy-washy or very roller coaster? Yes. Going to trivia night and people will be like, all right, our next question. And that sing-songy voice. I despise it. I hate it. Hate it, hate it, hate it. Did you ever snatch the microphone and be like, yo, just bro, sit down. <laughs> sit. No, but 
it, it gets to me enough sometimes where I have to be like, I have to go. I have to do. I have to leave. Can't be here. <laughs> but I think that's true of anyone in any profession. You know, you're a hairdresser and you're going to be analyzing people's highlights, you know? Yeah. And it's, <laughs> yeah, people, people are interesting sometimes. And speaking of people being interesting, I actually just got a interesting comment on one of my uh, videos that I thought of you is uh, I basically said, and I know you went to college for for what you do. Uh, I did mm-hmm. not. I'm a dropout and I, I made it to market too and did all that and whatever mm-hmm. and got to interview celebrities and do my dream job. And uh, yeah. the person commenting was basically saying that you cannot get these jo- uh, a radio or a TV job without some form of internship from any other station or college. Do you believe that? I don't necessarily think that's true, but I... You know, college is not an indicator of how smart someone is. There, it what it is is you're checking a box that you could follow through on something, and it opens a lot of doors. I would say that um, if you've got the talent, they're not going to be like, "Oh, you don't have college education." And a lot of it sometimes isn't even talent. There was a guy that I used to work with who um, he wanted to be on air and I think I can't remember what his position was exactly but he sounded horrendous absolutely horrendous and I always think same thing with like a comedian there's a couple things that you need like a nice voice and then actually what's coming out of your mouth like your actual content and I kind of thought that you either had it or you didn't and you know he put in a lot of time and he sounded really good at at the end and so you know I think that's a huge factor in radio of um, just showing that you're willing, being a yes man essentially and saying, yep, I'll go do that. Yes, I'll do that. If it's not an internship, I always tell people um, the best way is to either be a board op or to do promotions. You just want to be in the building and for the people higher up to see your work ethic and you have to be – you have to – you know, go after it and tell them, hey, I would love to, you know, be on air one day. What can I do? And we actually had a guy um, at the station, Billy, who um, my boss said, okay, I'll put you on overnights um, if you do an air check for me every day. And he did it on a CD. And my boss covered his office in in the CDs that that he did every single day. I don't know how long he did it for, but he did. And he got on air and he eventually got a job elsewhere. I think he's an OM now in Grand Junction. No so way. he's had morning shows. Yeah. So much of it has to do with just putting your head down and doing the work and being a hustler. And I've, I've told that to a number of people that I'd worked with in the past who actually probably had more talent than him. And they gave up. And a lot of times you give up because, you know, it's, you know, you're either not fully as into it or sometimes just circumstances, you know, maybe you can't, you're not in a financial spot where you can do that. You know, maybe you can't live at home and you need to have a job. I've seen a lot of people who have had to quit because like, I can't afford to do this anymore. So a lot of it has to do with right time and right place. So, and isn't that what that, what's that old saying about luck it's talent and timing i can't remember it's something like that and there's also another one that uh what do they say it's like hard work beats talent when talent yeah. decides to not show up or something i just butchered that one but it's something along those lines they get the gist they, they get it yeah they the uh, you, you guys yeah. But it, and it's also funny you say that about it's just I hear funny stories all the time. Like I have a friend who was like, or like you even said, where the person didn't even show up. And it's just like, well, yeah. who's here? And it's just like, who, you know, I mean, you just, you just never know. And I feel like in this industry on the TV side or the radio side, uh, the turnover rate, you know, is pr- I would say, I would argue that it's pretty high because either contracts are ending or people mm-hmm. are just like deuces. Uh, I can't do this. Um, yeah, absolutely. and one of the big misconceptions about TV radio, would you say is the pay for what we do? Yeah, I, I would say people think that you don't get paid anything and that can be true for sure. Um, but it's all dependent on, what day part you're in and what market you're in. You know, you nobody in New York is making minimum wage 
because you couldn't afford to live. So you get paid based on, you know, the markets, you know, LA and New York, uh, Chicago's number three, Seattle was number 12. That was the market that I was in. And I think basically anything, what, top 20, you can make a, a pretty good salary and you can make a decent salary, probably, you know, top 100 too. Maybe not, you know, you're not buying new things all the time, but you can definitely have a decent living and be comfortable. Yeah. I always say when people are starting out, even when I was in Grand Junction, we made just enough to not be able to collect benefits <laughs> or, you know, right, or right. like, it's like, Hey, I wonder if we can qualify for that. No, we can't. We almost, we tried to make it a new story. They didn't let that fly. Um, yeah. but what would you say another big misconception is about radio? Hmm. Trying to think. Money is definitely a huge one. Um, how about wearing? Remember, uh, how about? I remember, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, uh, I remember an ex boyfriend of mine um, came to an event that I was working at, and uh, I think it was for the Special Olympics, and I was just hosting on stage. And they gave me, you know, here's some talking points that I got about five minutes before, and doing the crowd. And I remember to this day, it stuck out to me. He's like, you're really good at this. And I was like, yeah, I am. <laughs> like, I've been doing this for 10 years. I should hope so. But I think he didn't realize, you know, it sounds kind of easy, like, okay, you just talk. But it is hard to fill, especially I think, I think it's harder to do radio by yourself than it is to do um, as a group because it's all on you. And it's very difficult when you're on a morning show, you know, take the content content aside, you're talking like you're having a conversation with your friends for the most part. You know, you're still projecting a little bit, but when you're by yourself, it's this very weird in-between thing of, you know, talking to someone, but you're not talking to someone. And like like you'd be on stage presenting. It's it's a very weird fine line that is it's hard to do. And saying station call letters in a natural way can be difficult too. It's just kind of these random things that you you think is a little bit easier than it actually is. You're like, oh, you just, you know, you shoot the breeze. It's not that simple. Yeah. And especially if you're by yourself, basically talking to yourself and then going on stage in front of thousands of people, yeah. uh, I'm sure it's a, a little bit different and the adrenaline's flowing just a little bit, right. a little bit more. Well, and I, don't, I don't like getting on stage as much. I'm much more comfortable at it now, but that's not my forte. And, and anytime I say that, people were like, what? But you're on air all the time. But I was in a room by myself. And, you know, talking one-on-one -on -one is very different than being on a stage and having everyone look at you. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. Um, what would you say your favorite part of being an on-air personality is? When I get to be myself, you know, when I, like, it's fun. I, I'm not afraid of hard work when it comes to creating a product that I'm proud of. And I like making people laugh. And so when you do a good break, you know it. You know, it's kind of the same validation, I guess, when you get a good TikTok video that's that goes viral and you're like, ah, that is funny. Other people think it's funny too. Good, good, good. Excellent stuff. <laughs> and uh, what about interviews? Like celebrity interviews? Yeah, like what's are is inter are interviews another favorite part of the job? Um, no, actually, really? I get okay. Interviews, no matter what, it doesn't matter if they're a a big star or not. And I, and it's only like the first couple of minutes that I get nervous, just because you don't know what the other person's going to be like. It's essentially kind of a blind date, so to speak. And, you know, some of the artists are really good at bullshitting and, you know, having a conversation like we are. Um, and some of them give you nothing. Um, In-person interviews are a lot easier. But, you know, I've interviewed Demi Lovato on the phone and it was like pulling teeth, you know. All right. Well, what do you what do you uh, do in your free time when you're not touring and you're not working on music? Like what's a typical day? Like what are your favorite TV shows? I don't watch TV. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Well, thanks for helping me out here. Like, I'm trying to promote you and you're giving me nothing and you can't see facial expression or body language. So it's a little bit harder, but it's, I've gotten, 
I used to, I've gotten better at it. I'll say that. Um, I think my last big interview was with Ed Sheeran and I convinced him to brush my hair while we did the interview. So that was pretty fun. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, no, I, and to be, I think to be fair on the others, cause I, I love interviews and I've seen, mm-hmm. uh, both sides. It's like, and you, you probably already know this, but they, you know, when they're doing press for a tour or a movie or something, I'm almost positive. They are literally doing them back to back, to back, to back. And they're going through the motions and it gets exhausting. And, you know, you've probably done way more interviews than than I have. And it's one of those things that the more you do, the the easier it gets. And so when I would do them, they were, you know, sometimes I would have two a month. Sometimes I would have one every six months. So I didn't really get to do as many as I would have liked. Yeah. No, but I still think on their side, to be fair too, um, they should, if they're, I mean, they are promoting something and I just, I, I, I've had that happen in person where they just literally give you nothing. And it's like, well, okay, thanks for wasting my time. I appreciate it. Have a good day. This, this is for you, dude. Like, I don't care about your album. Like you, it's your, you need to be personable. You need to be charming and show listeners that you're a real human being. And yeah, but I get it on the same hand too. It's like they're human and they're exhausted and they're tired and being on is 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 hard sometimes, but that's a part of the gig. Yeah. And it's exhausting too. I didn't realize it until I did a um and you I've done a morning show before and just after like afterwards, I was just, you know, after I sat down and like took a second, I was beat, like just mentally just drained. Yeah, I totally understand that. I mean, yeah, it's it's hard being I'm kind of an introvert extrovert and you know, if I have events or even just social stuff like on, you know, pre-COVID, like a, a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night and on a Sunday, like I am wiped and I mean, I'm, I'm on, you know, and that's that's and your energy level. It's hard to keep that up. And so like the, the following week, I probably will do nothing and stay home and not <laughs> see anyone. So I get that. Yeah. And I mean, I could keep asking you a bunch of radio questions all day because I'm fascinated. I'm in these (laughs) almost the same industry as well. But I kind of want to talk to you about your TikTok. And have you ever thought I know, you know, we all need money. And I know you're, you know, on the job hunt now. um, But in this day and age, I feel like being a full time content creator is a real possible thing. Have you considered doing TikTok full time? Um, I will always want like a real job, so to speak, because I am definitely not at the level. I think when once you have millions of followers, you can do that. Um, but for me, like t- TV, radio, that's what I want to do. I want to have a little bit more of a professional platform, so to speak. But I don't want to get rid of TikTok if I get a job. Like I think the two can work together and you know grow both. Yeah. And what, do you remember what your first TikTok was? Uh, I think like I uploaded like an old Snapchat, um, filter that I did, um, like making a voice or something and it didn't get any traction. I did a couple of those and didn't, I think I had like a couple hundred followers, um, for a long time, like for months. And I think they were just like my friends. (laughs) Um, and I don't think I got any traction until I started talking about um, like a dating story. I think that's where people started. And that's where I realized, okay, well, what are my strengths and my weaknesses? And, you know, telling stories that people can relate to and being myself and being authentic and genuine is where um, I've succeeded the most, both in radio and TikTok, because you know, it's essentially the same, same concept. Yeah. And cause yeah, with any social media or whatever you're trying to do, you know, that you always hear that, you know, you need to niche down or find your niche. Um, yeah. and you said, what would you say your niche is on TikTok? Is it strictly dating or not strictly dating, but I think that's the majority of it and just stories in general. And that's, what's the easiest to talk about. But I think people love, hearing about relationships and issues, whether you're single or you're married, you know, you want to live vicariously through your single friends when you're married and, you know, people love that kind of stuff. And, but people can tell if you're full of it or not. And I think that's always been my, um, one of the things that I'm good at. I have a, um, my girlfriend, Katie, um, has a huge following on TikTok. I think like she's at 250 or something. 
um, thousand, and we were looking at our analytics, and she was surprised that because um, hers are a majority of men, and we do a lot of the same kind of dating con- content, and um, she was surprised that mine was split fifty fifty for the most part. Um, actually, might have been a little bit heavier on the women's side. And that was something like my boss told me a long time ago was part of the reason that he hired me. He's like, girls don't find you threatening. You're relatable. You're a girl's girl and guys want to date you. So I think that's can sometimes be hard. You're either polarizing one way or the other. You know, a lot of the girls just do you know lip syncing in a bikini and they've got a huge male following and that can turn women off. Have you guys done any type of collaboration or even talked about any type of collabs to kind of like interweave what you guys have got going on? Yes, we're going to. She's under some contractual obligations with um, some big stuff that she has in the works. But um, yeah, we're definitely going to try to do that. And being in the, I guess, the dating niche or whatever, is that what uh, I guess your first real spike in views and followers came from? I think so. Yeah. And that's the majority of what my, I guess, funny stories come from, um, you know, I've, I've got, I think I recently told one, you know, about a confrontation with a girl, but yeah, the majority of my good stories are with dudes and how awful they are. <laughs> I was going to say, which, what, uh, which was the story that blew up first? Um, I'm trying to remember. I really have the worst memory. I think it was, um, uh, the story of me going away for the weekend with a dude who, um, we went to a winery in Walla Walla and he was, he drove a Porsche and it was quite lovely and he just got it detailed and he was mad that my hair kept getting in his Porsche as he drove 80 miles per hour with the top down. There was a bunch of like little stuff like that. And, you know, it's, I think probably more the way I tell the story as opposed to, you know, I went here and he told me my hair was getting everywhere. You know, I tend to drag stories out a little bit and do side notes. And that's just my story telling way. So <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I'm not gonna lie. I did a deep dive on your TikTok, and yeah, your story. Okay. I did, probably know better than I would then. Do you what? Sorry. I said, you'd probably know better than I did. What with my, <laughs> with the one that my first one that blew up then. Oh, I, well, the thing is I, I, I should, I should have wrote it down, but I was just, I see, I, it was so good that I just got lost in it. You know, um, it was just, it it seriously is hilarious. I think it's a mixture of your storytelling, your personality, and just like your mannerisms too, uh, are, are quite hilarious, but, um, I've, I've had comments from TikTok that I haven't gotten before a lot. And that's interesting. Like I always knew I was expressive, Um, But I didn't realize just how much and especially in comparison to a lot of people who, you know, there's a big portion of people on TikTok that do lip syncing and they're they're doing people, you know, that are screaming and they don't move their face at all, which is just like, how are you not showing any expression? And so I have so much expression and I didn't realize that's a huge comment that I get from people all the time. When you started to get comments like that, because it's interesting because we see ourselves in a certain way and obviously, you know, you're doing your videos, so you see your videos, but is it, was it kind of like, oh, I guess I, I do that. Like I didn't notice that before. I knew it, but not to the extent that, that I was like the little stuff. Um, I had a talent agent reach out to me and say that I had really good comedic timing and he wanted to represent me for stuff. So I was like, oh, well, well, thank you. Um, I did have, I I think I told that story too. I had a date once with a guy who had Asperger's who said a bunch of stuff. He goes, you'd be a lot prettier if you, uh, didn't make as many facial expressions. I was like, I mean, you're right, but I can't believe you said that. Like, you're right. I get it. But he also told me what else was like, I was prettier from the front and from the side, but not my other side, which he also was right, but I couldn't believe he said it. (laughs) But then he redeemed himself by telling me that he said my ex was going to go bald soon. I was like, what? Tell me more. It sounds like you have story for days. I've had like six follow-up questions just from that story alone. Um, (laughs) That's the hard part. (laughs) Keeping on track. My ADD shows up and ooh, tiny. Well, with all these dating stories, would you you consider yourself a dating expert at this point? (laughs) Um, I mean, I don't know the correct way to do it, but uh, I know what not to do. So yeah, somewhat. Uh, and what is the uh, what would you say the greatest co- uh, compliment you've gotten off of TikTok was? Um, 
trying to think. It's it's the the genuine compliments that I've gotten, you know, like stuff when people tell you like, oh, you're hot, does nothing for me, especially when it's from like an 80-year-old dude with three teeth. Like, I don't – okay. Um, but, you know, the, the nice comments of, you know, how you want to be seen is that, you know, people will say like, oh, you're a genuinely good person on top of being hilarious and humble. <clears throat> that was a <laughs> and obviously there's um... – some criticism that comes along, uh, along with it. What is the worst thing or one of the worst things somebody's ever said to you? You know, I've been talking a lot, um, about this with my, with my girlfriends, um, who've been getting nasty comments too. And they're so few and far between. Um, if you look at like percentage wise, it's going to be 95% good and 5% bad. And it's the bad ones that stick out a little bit. They never like actually hurt my feelings, I'm just not good at walking away. I always have to defend myself. And most of the time it's over things because they don't get my sense of humor. And where I feel like it's pretty obvious that I'm joking, it's that's what frustrates me. Mm. Like if I say like, well, I'm hilarious and I'm humble, you know, it's kind of a go-to joke. And people were like, well, that's the exact opposite of humble if you're saying it. I'm like, yeah, that's the joke. <laughs> it's like, come on. <laughs> come on. Yeah, that's how I feel. That's how I feel. Yeah. What's that, that meme? It's like, I'm oh, from like Kenny Powers. I'm trying really hard not to be an <laughs> asshole. Guys. You're making it really tight. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. But, but, if, but I feel like dealing with criticism, I know it just sounds like it just rolls off your shoulder, uh, but to some it doesn't. Uh, so would you say it's a skill in itself to learn how to basically have thick skin? Yes and no. And I'd say that... I've been really lucky that I have not had that much just in like my radio career. Like I think when you're on a morning show, you're open to a lot more criticism. I know I would see things from um, our morning show. People would like comment on their appearance and they were dudes and would take it a little bit probably easier than I would have. Um, but yeah, you have to if, if even if it doesn't hurt my feelings, I'm not thinking about it. It just will bug me sometimes. And so I'm not good at letting it go. But I feel like, yeah, you definitely have to be confident in who you are. Um, I'm very self-aware. I know what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. And for the most part, anything you say to me, like I've probably already heard it, I've thought it, and your opinion probably most of the time it doesn't matter. You know, you should consider the source. Like is this someone I respect and know? That would hurt my feelings. But a complete stranger, you know, that lives in some podunk town 20,000 miles away, thinks I'm unattractive. All right, I'll live. <laughs> How does it feel to have the best eyebrows on TikTok, by the way? <sighs> yeah, people were coming at my eyebrows for a while and I was like, really? You guys should have seen them like 10 years ago. I was atrocious. <laughs> They're just, I move them a lot, I think is probably the problem. And then, you know, it's COVID and I get ready in the dark sometimes or I don't get ready at all. So <laughs> we should be thankful that I've showered. And as far as, um, I know we talked about compliments and criticisms. Have you ever gotten any weird requests on TikTok? Oh, you're, you're a dude. So you probably don't get as many. I have an inbox with the weirdest messages. TikTok is hands down. I couldn't even tell you because TikTok doesn't really do, um, you can't search for messages. You don't know how many you have so to speak, but I have so many weird messages from guys. You know, if I talk about being single, they'll send me matches and go, I'll date you. Here, call me with no, <laughs> there's no profile picture. There's no name. Just like, really? You think I'm that desperate that I'm like, ooh, some random stranger on TikTok wants to date me. Who knows where he lives or what he looks like? But yes, I'm going to call you. But I'm actually, I think I'm going to start doing a bet on that and actually call call them and record it. I was so. just about to say that. I was like, I feel like this is a whole series of either, you know, because yeah. you can get like a, one of those VPN numbers or something and actually call them or even, you know, I don't, I don't know how you do it. Recording laws first, but yeah. Oh yeah. Forgot about those. Or just even re weird requests. I don't know. Cause I mean, you said, I mean, that's content for days right there. And yeah, well, I make the joke of, um, you know, being unemployed and I'm this close to making an OnlyFans or selling pictures of my feet. And then <laughs> I will get 
people who don't realize that I'm joking and be like, well, how much are you selling feed pictures for? And I'm like, well, how much are you? Yeah, I was about to say, like, how much yeah. are you willing to pay? I actually did. I, this guy asked and I said, oh, I was actually joking. I don't, I'm not going to do that. And I said, but if I were, and I actually asked him some questions and I'm like, what makes, I was like, I don't have like the prettiest feet. They're not hideous, but you know, I have like the one toe that's a little bit longer. <laughs> you know, what makes it? And he's like, well, you're taller. So I'm assuming you probably wear like a bigger shoe size. I was like, yeah, I wear a nine. He goes, well, that's kind of a rarity. And so you can actually make a lot more money. I was like, how much are we talking? Tell me the number. Because as soon as my parents are no longer here, <laughs> and no one can fund them the weird stuff that I'm doing. I might consider it. What's the, no, I'm too, did, uh, did, did he tell you the number? Like, can you? T- <laughs> uh, yeah, he said like anywhere between like twenty to a thousand dollars. I would put, yeah. I well, I think you probably do a lot of other stuff besides like you're not sending a Polaroid of your feet. Like, yeah, after- it's there's a lot more strings attached. I found that the hard way. Like, there's not a lot of things in life that 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 are for free. Like, there's there's strings attached. I think it'd be funny to call and ask your mom, be like, mom, <laughs> it's got no point. Somebody offered a thousand bucks to see a picture of my feet. What'd you think about that? <laughs> I have told my parents like similar things. And I think as long as I'm not doing anything like morally degrading to myself, my parents think it's hilarious. They're like, somebody sent you money for that. I go, yeah. I'm like, people are super nice. The strangers on TikTok are more considerate and nice than some of my friends. It's, it's that, but also heartwarming. Uh, did I see, or have you, with the weird request is the last one I'll ask. Have they asked you to sell bath water yet? No, that's good. But I would be willing to <laughs> that when I found that out a while ago, I think there was a, uh, a famous Twitch streamer who does that. Mm-hmm. And then when I was going through your stuff, you'd mentioned, I was like, Oh my God, like that's a thing. And it's like, yeah. oh God, gee. like just yeah. people are, uh, people are funny. And I also, yeah. yeah. The weirdest thing I've gotten is there was a guy who sent me a really nasty message initially. I can't remember what he actually, his exact verbiage was, but it was like, I hope you overdose and die Seattle scum. And then I think I wrote something very funny, but very foul back, like overdose on what? And I, <clears throat> I won't say. And then he made another mean comment back. And then I said something. I can't remember what I said. And then he ended up apologizing and like saying all these nice things to me and how he wants to make it up to me and all this stuff. And it just like did a 180. I was like, I'm not sure what happened here, but it it was nice to be like, okay, you saw the error of your ways that you probably shouldn't be telling strangers to go kill themselves. Like that you're not a good person if you're doing that. You know, we all see stuff when we're scrolling on TikTok. Like, I'll, I'll do it. I'm like, ooh, like, what has she done with her eyes, her eye makeup? Like, that looks awful. But to actually take the time to write that, you got to you gotta figure out who you are as a person and what's wrong with you that you would do that. Because everyone has those thoughts. Like, I get it. But you keep them to yourself if you're a good person. I think a lot of people also don't realize that you're actually on the other side of that phone. And right. for them to say something like that and you to respond, they're like, huh, uh, what? Just, you know, those yeah. keyboard yeah. warriors. So I always, I always find that really interesting that people will write that, but you know, I kind of, I actually feel bad for those people. Cause I always think like if they're just going to take the time to randomly just comment something so nasty to a random stranger god knows what's Mm -hmm. going on at home or upstairs like you know what i'm saying so it's just like i feel bad for those people yeah and i feel like i've i've been there so i get it a little bit i remember like i was going through a tough time and i was much quicker to you know be nasty to someone and at the end of the day you have no idea what people are going through and you gotta watch your words and i don't know i believe in karma and doing the right thing and I try to treat people how I would want to be treated for the most part. I'm not perfect and I definitely sometimes, you know, mess up, but I always feel bad and apologize and, you know, you got to pick yourself back up and try again. Would you say you're comfortable with confrontation? Uh, Yes. I don't like it, but I'm good at it. Yeah, I'm I'm very much the same way and I'm curious too. So would you say back, like not, not too far back in the day, but like, 
would you say you were more quick to like throw a verbal fist and like, you know, just try to like destroy somebody with your words as opposed to like now where it's a little bit toned down and somebody kind of has to really get under your skin to fire back? Um, well, I was bullied really, really badly in fourth, fifth and sixth grade. And I never defended myself. Um, I like sat and cried. And so I became friends with this girl who was had a mean streak in her. And my mom said I became a lot meaner after I met her. But I learned to defend myself. And I think I definitely went through a phase where I would, you know, attack a a lot more. But I've always I'm never going to start things for the most part. And even if I come back at you. Um, I'm gonna feel bad because most of the time I'm better verbally, and it I'm going to hurt you more than you hurt me. And so it's all about, but that's not how I was raised. And you know, it, it's a tough one because there is a huge part of me that, like, when I say something funny as a retort, you know, just from a comedic standpoint, I go, "Oh yeah, that was a good one." sick burn. And then times where I'm like, all right, that was really mean. And that's gonna, you know, if someone said that to you, how would you feel? And then I apologize. And yeah. Isn't that funny? I'm the exact same way. I've made somebody cry one time and I was like, oh my God. I was like, I am so sorry. Like, you know, cause I, I don't know about yeah. you, but sometimes I get caught up in it where you're just yeah. like, dig, 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 dig. And you just keep going. And it's yeah. kind of hard to stop when you're on a roll, you know? <laughs> yeah. And that's actually the story I told recently of, you know, a girl saying like, she goes, you're a slut. And I was like, oh, it's go time. Let's do this. <laughs> and I, I verbally decimated and I don't raise my voice for the most part. You know, I say stuff in a very genuine, you know, like it's coming from the heart. So it seems like it's the truth and not like an insult, which is way more painful. And I made her cry. And granted, she started it, but I, you know, she didn't actually hurt my feelings and I should have just walked away and I didn't. And that's something that I am continuously working on of taking the high road, which is quite often, it's hard, hard to do. You know, the the high road feels like a six mile hike straight uphill. And the other side, it's like, oh, you can get there in two minutes flat. And yeah, it's you're in the mud, mm, you're in the dirt. Yeah. Trust. Oh, you know, yeah. Like you just said, it's, it, it, I, I would consider it a skill and I always think, oh, you're growing since you're not, because my mouth yeah. got me into so much and it continues to get me into trouble. And it's just like, yeah. And I just, Oh God, anytime I can walk away, it's that feeling that you're talking about, like uphill both ways, barefoot in the ice and snow. It's just like, Oh, you know, you're almost like hyperventilating. And then like when it's over, you're like, okay, I'm good. I'm good. Well, and the thing that I've started doing recently too, and it's, I think satisfying for, for both people involved is I remember I got a mean text message, um, at work, we had a text line and someone said something, I have no idea what it was. And, um, we kind of got into it back and forth for a little bit. And then I looked up the phone number, I found her on Facebook and I remember going, I'm going to, I killed her with comedy kindness, kindness. I don't remember her name, but let's be like, Melissa, Melissa, it's me, Mason, your new best friend. Um, I need your address to send you a Christmas card because I know you don't like me and we're going to change that. And I was like, I'm going to keep texting you every day, Melissa, and telling you how, like doing that kind of stuff and doing it in a funny way that eventually like it, yeah, she thought I was funny and started commenting and, you know, trying to diffuse a sense of humor or diffuse the situation with a sense of humor because I don't like animosity at all. Like, I don't like having people mad at me, whether it be friends or strangers, you know, especially someone you're going to see again. Like, it makes me feel sick to my stomach. And so if you can take away that anxiety and, you know, I I think that's a way better feeling for both people. Have you ever met your match with somebody? Verbally? Mm-hmm. No. Oh, okay. I was going to say, guy. I would like with guys or girls, I, I, didn't, I don't know how, you know. I, no, but I also, I mean, I'm not an idiot and I'm not going to pick a fight with someone who could decimate me. So you're. I'm trying to remember. I feel like I thought of that sometime. Like I saw someone and I don't think I even knew them. And I was like, I think they would give me a run for my money. I think it, who was it? Um I think I was watching like a documentary or some uh, something, just someone who was very good verbally. And I was like, I wouldn't want to get it to, into it with them. But that's not the one I actually know. 
Yeah. Well, in that case, then then you'll you're you'll you'll always be undefeated. So, <laughs> well, I should try to not get into it. Period. That that's the goal. That's the goal. That's the goal. Be a better person. Be a better person. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, um, like I said, thank you so much for, you know, taking your time and uh, telling us your story and your advice and everything. But real quick, last question. If somebody were to come up to you or yeah, if somebody were to come up to you and they're like, hey, I want to do like I've seen your work on TikTok and I've seen, you know, I've been following your career for a while. Where can I start and what do I have to do? What would you say the best piece of advice for them would be? Uh, I would say work backwards and figure out what are your greatest strengths and how can you um, exploit those, so to speak. If you are awkward, you know, if you um, are clumsy, you know, embrace those things and that can be your shtick, so to speak. Just know who you are inside and out and, you know, my girlfriend recently, um, she's been unemployed for a while too and she decided she wants to be an air traffic um, control person. And I was like, oh, how did you get into that? She's like, well, I love puzzles. And so I Googled, you know, jobs that use those kinds of skills. And I was like, well, that's pretty smart, actually. Oh. So, yeah, work backwards, so to speak. Make a list of what you're good at and then figure out how you can apply those. Awesome. Well, where can we find you online? Um, most everything like Instagram is Macy face radio, M A S E Y F A C E. And then radio. Um, that's my TikTok as well. And then, uh, Mason Mousset on Facebook, which I don't really use that often. So, <laughs> and I'll put all those, uh, I'll link everything in the description below. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. All right, that does it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. And I would love your help. This podcast is brand new, so I need all the help I can get. If you would, just subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star rating. I really, really would appreciate it. And last but not least, I got a little something for you. For the last 10 years, I have been writing, shooting, producing, editing my own video to get my dream job as an entertainment reporter in Los Angeles interviewing the stars. Now, that might not be your dream, but if you are in this industry and you are in this field, you are going to need to learn how to write, shoot, and edit, produce your own content. And now I want to personally train you on these skills so you can create your own journey and make money while doing so. So what I want you to do now is log on to Facebook and request to be in my private Facebook group, On Camera Professionals. Once again, it is called On Camera Professionals. But wait, Thomas, I really like your stuff. I really want to learn from you, but I don't want to be on camera. Don't worry. I got you covered. In this group, I'm going to be doing a live training, so that means live tips and tricks. I'm going to do giveaways, freebies, and I'm also going to do personalized training. So once again, log on to Facebook and type in On Camera Professionals, and I'll see you there.